welcome to the IOMS podcast series, where we gather for conversations from top surgeons across the globe. In this series, we're exploring the history of the specialty from the unique point of view of each global region. How did the specialty evolve as a distinct area of practice? Who were the key players? Where's the specialty heading in the future? Stay tuned for insights into these questions and more. Let's listen in. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Tetsu Takahashi. I'm the executive director of the Asian Association of Oral Maxifacial Surgeon. Uh, welcome to the IOM's podcast. Uh, we are talking about today about the Asian Vision podcast. And uh, today we have uh, three distinguished OMS surgeons representing the Asian region. Uh, I, I'm going to introduce a little bit. Uh, Dr. Gunasaran Rajan, uh, he is uh, president elect of the uh, Asian Association and uh, from India. And Dr. Yuehi, he is also the executive member from Shanghai, China. He is at the very famous Nice People's Hospital, Shanghai Jantong University School of Medicine. And uh, my friend, Dr. Tian Sia, he is uh, immediate past president of, from Singapore. Today we're going to talk the, the, about the uh, specialty, uh, the, the uh, about the uh, OMS specialist in the Asian region. Uh, let me uh, uh, ask first questions. Uh, the first question is the oral maxillofacial surgery as a specialist has evolved as a distinct uh, distinct area of the practice that it wasn't always the case. So when did OMS distinguish itself as an area of practice and how did, uh, did that come to be in the Asian region? So please speak uh, uh, one by one. Uh, first, Dr. Gunasam, uh, would you please uh, short introduction yourself and then speak, please. Dr. Guna. Thank you, Professor Takahashi. Uh, thank you for this invitation. I'm Dr. Gunasilan Rajan. I'm a maxillofacial surgeon in Chennai, which is in the southern part of India. And I've been very active in the Indian Association, and I've been the past president and past general secretary and editor. And uh, recently, I've had the uh, proud privilege to be elected as a president-elect of the Asian Association. So I'm going to talk about the, the history of oral and maxillofacial surgery in our, in India or in this region, which is the southern and southwest part of Asia. Actually, maxillofacial surgery or facial plastic surgery started in India in 800 BC. So please mark that calendar date, 800 BC. I don't think anybody can beat that record. Sushruta, who lived in the 18 BC is considered the father of facial plastic surgery in India and now is acknowledged almost all over the world as the father of plastic surgery. And why? Because he described nose reconstruction using tissue from the forehead in 800 BC. And you can look it up in Wikipedia, it's all over the internet. Now you may ask, why was this surgery so specifically so common in India? In those days, the commonest punishment for adultery was amputation of the nose. And this was not just in India, and it was there in a lot of civilizations, amputation of the nose. So these poor surgeons you know, took up the responsibility and started doing something to restore the nose of these unfortunate people. And that's how this nose surgery became very prominent and very popular in India. And today, let me come back to today. Oral and maxillofacial surgery in India as an association started in 1969. That's more than 50 years ago. It was first called the Association of Oral Surgeons and then became the Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgeons. Today, we have nearly 7,000 maxillofacial surgeons in India. 
This is one of the oldest associations in this part of Asia. We produce almost 600 maxillofacial surgeons per year. This tremendous pipeline of new surgeons has made our surgeons expand and take over territories previously held by other specialties such as trauma, cleft and craniofacial surgery, head and neck oncology, and aesthetic facial surgery. In management parlance, we call it owning your geography. Our geography is the face. So we have started owning the geography and expanding our boundaries. And surprisingly, COVID was also a big game changer for recognition of our specialty. You may not know that COVID led to a lot of mucormycosis of the maxilla and the paranasal sinuses in India. We had more than 8,000 cases. And most of them required partial or hemimaxillectomy. And when reconstruction became a challenge, we could make a huge impact in society by doing microvascular reconstruction and zygoma implants supported obturators and processes. So this is where we are. And we are definitely among the leaders in this region, which includes Sri Lanka, Nepal, Myanmar, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Israel, and Middle East countries. But their associations are much smaller and they are much younger. That's all to report from this region. Thank you. Okay, good. And thank you very much for the excellent uh, introduction. And uh, I'm very, very uh, <laughs> uh, impressed by the, the long, long history of the, the India. And now you have uh, a very, very active uh, on the or maxillofacial surgery. Thank you. Okay, uh, let's move to the next speaker, Dr. Yuehi. Uh, please, uh, that is your part. Let's introduce something OMS in China's histories. We don't have long histories like uh, India, like Guna. Uh, actually, in China, we only have 70 years old history of OMS medical department, uh, which is first of our OMS departments established in 1951 in Shanghai Regions Hospitals. And uh, after that, we established our national uh, societies of Chinese Society of Oral Massive Surgeons in 1986. So it's more than uh, 35 years old uh, history of our societies. But the uh, Oral Massive Surgery specialist, specialty uh, is short histories. And up to now, I think it only have 50 years old. It's very, very young. And a short history then Japan and then United States. Because uh, this system is, um, we follow from the West countries styles. But in eventually, uh, actually, in 2006, our government, the General Office of the Ministry of Health, issued a notice on the pilot work of specialist training. Before that, there is no clearly defined concept of oral massage specialist in China. And after that, in 2007, the Ministry of Health issued an implementary measuring for the training of specialists. Four years later, the city of Shanghai, uh, which is the window of our China, uh, fully launched the pilot program of specialist trainings in 2013. And one year later, in, also in Shanghai, expert community on standardized training for specialists to formulate the rules for standardized training of specialists in oral massage surgery in Shanghai. And then at present, 
the orthopedic surgeon surgeon specialist trained in Shanghai is uh, comprised of basic models and advanced models to start. The basic models include six experts, the cranial facial surgery, cleft lip and palate, deformity and trauma, maxillofacial head and neck oncology, Everest surgery and the temporal mandibular joint. For a total of uh, one and a half years, the advanced modules include nine experts for cerebral nerve disease, maxillofacial uh, trauma, deformity, oncological surgery, medical oncological, uh, sleep apnea syndromes, also digital assistance surgery, implant surgery, and the temporary mandibular joint disease. Also for one and a half years for the whole training system. Uh, five years ago, in 2016, after the Shanghai's uh, training programs on national health and uh, family planning commission issued guidance on pilot program of standard standardized training system for specialty of our whole countries. So this is our uh, current uh, uh, statements and uh, we just uh, beginning our national specialist training only five years ago for the our government national policies. Uh, thank you, thank you, uh, Yuhi. Um, the, although Jim has uh, history, but uh, special, uh, as far as the specialty, specialty is concerned, five years. But uh, you have now very, very rapidly developing the new specialty, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, backed up by the government. Okay, so let's move to the next speaker, uh, Tiani, please. Thank you, Professor Tetsu Takashi. Hello everyone, I am Tiani Xia. I'm an oral maxillofacial surgeon working in Singapore. I had the honor and privilege to serve as the president of the Asian Association of OMS and the Singapore Association of OMS. Now, the oral maxillofacial surgery in Singapore arose as one of the core dental specialties. The evolution of OMS in Singapore started with the recognition that maxillofacial diseases and deformities needed to be treated by specialists who had dedicated training in this field. In the very beginning, the pioneer surgeons in Singapore underwent maxillofacial training in a form of apprenticeship. On top of this, many of them then took an exam in the United Kingdom and obtained the fellowship in dental surgery, Royal College of Surgeons. As time went by, it soon became obvious that there was a need to provide a structured national specialty training program. And thus, the MDS, also known as the Masters in Dental Surgery for Oral Maxillofacial Surgery, was formed. And this was a three years residency program that provided young surgeons with good training opportunities and working environment. Even after they had graduated from the MDS, some of the surgeons could undergo further training overseas in other subspecialties, such as cleft lip and palate repair, OSA, or aesthetic surgery. I, for one, was blessed to have benefited from this by going through our very own MDS program and further training under Professor Lankovan in the UK in facial aesthetic surgery. And so, with a core of well-trained specialists the discipline of oral maxillofacial surgeons in Singapore became even more visible and even more distinct. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Tiani, uh, uh, for the introduction to Singapore and uh, uh, how modest. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let me introduce the Japan and the Korea because Japan and Korea has a pretty similar history. Uh, we have uh, 
uh, as far as uh, our maxillofacial surgical uh, society, 65 or 66 years, uh, almost the same as uh, Japan and Korea. Then uh, uh, our specialty, uh, I call the specialized, uh, certified OMS specialist. The the board uh, began at the 1980. And then we have the right now approximately two thousand certified OMS specialists and the senior specialist uh, that is nine percent and nine nine hundred or something certified OMS specialist takes about six hour, uh, six years after the graduation and senior specialist is uh, twelve years uh, of the training. And uh, the currently, uh, we have another subspecialty, certified oral surgeons, that is uh, the minor surgery uh, specialist, and then before the uh, certified OMS specialist. The certified OMS surgeons subspecialty, we have 2,300. It's about approximately 22% of the regular member. So uh, totally, we have approximately uh, 4,000 OMS surgeons, including certified OMS surgeon, uh, that is a specialty, and a certified OMS specialist. Speaking of Korea, uh, uh, pretty much the same. Uh, they have the approximately 65 years of the the, the history of the oral maxillofacial surgical Korean Association. And they have uh, 1,500 uh, 1, board certified OMS and then annually about the 20, uh, 60 new OMS specialists registered. In. And they they have the 45 uh, certified training center for the OMS. And the speaking of the international, uh, international uh, board for the uh, certification of the specialists in the OMS, uh, we call the IBCS OMS. That is after the specialist acquisition. Uh, in Japan, uh, approximately 80 fellow in Japan. And in the Korea, South Korea, they have the 23 if, uh, I, IBCS OMS uh, holders. So that's it so far for the Japan and uh, Korea. So we have uh, just learned that uh, two big countries in Asia, two big uh, giants, uh, India and uh, China, they have a very, very huge. And then the Singapore uh, is advanced, but very uh, small uh, number of the specialists. And Japan and Korea, is, uh, I think it's a modest uh, in Asia. Uh, Guna, I have one question about uh, Indian Association. How is uh, certification certification of the OMS specialty in uh, India? They do a basic dental course, which is five years, and then they do a three-year postgraduate program. Okay. So, so the postgraduate program, they call the Master in Dental Surgery in Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery, is for three years. It used to be only two years. But about 15 years ago, we changed it into a three-year program. But now we realize that's also not enough. Some centers have gone to a four-year program. But the standard is only three years. But we are encouraging a lot of one-year fellowships post-master's program. So then they subspecialize. So that's what's okay. happening now in India. Okay. How about the other countries around the India, like uh, Sri Lanka or the other... Uh, most of them have, they follow the, the British system. Okay, okay. So they all have a post from the BDS, then they have a post BDS program anywhere ranging from three years up to sometimes even six years. Some countries right. have a very long period of six years, but there's, the shortest duration is three years now. I see, okay. Tiani, do you know anything about the specialists in the other East Asian countries like uh, Malaysia or and uh, or Indonesia or Philippines? I think Philippines they they may have their own program, and and so does um, I, I believe uh, Malaysia too. I, I I know that they have their own program, but I'm not too familiar with them. I'm afraid. 
Okay, okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, you know, as you know that Asia is so diverse and a very big country like India and China and a very small country like uh, uh, Brunei or other very, very, uh, we, we are so diverse. Um, our professional association is a hub for the networking and education and has been instrumental in the development of this speciality. How has involved in the Asian Association or Maximization Solutions, IAOMS, advanced this speciality? So, uh, Guna? Yes, over the years, uh, the Indian Association has been fortunate that we have had uh, one international association meeting in Bangalore and one Asian association conference in Mumbai. So that gave a lot of uh, uh, impetus for youngsters and young surgeons from India to become part of the international association and the Asian association. And also we have had several small meetings along with neighboring countries. For example, the Indian association has had joint meetings with uh, Sri Lanka, we have had a joint meeting with Nepal and also with Bangladesh. And then we also introduced a trainee conference every year in India. And now we also are holding it in Asia once in two years. The traveling fellowship, the international association opened an international fellowship. And along the same lines in Asia also we have opened the international fellowship and we have started trainees going to different countries. And one big difference is the Asian Association is subsidizing their travel and stay quite a bit, which is very encouraging for youngsters. And I remember my first meeting I had with Dr. Yuhi was in Switzerland, when actually we met in a completely different interdisciplinary symposium called the Spiesel Symposium. And thereafter, you know, we found English to be a common language as we were walking around the streets of Basel. And then our friendship grew and then we became good friends in the Asian Association. And then I've had several youngsters from India travel and work in this extraordinary busy unit with his, uh, you know, his, under his leadership. So I think we cannot underestimate the influence of individual surgeons in expanding the speciality and comradeship across Asia or worldwide. I still remember when Professor Stolinga from Netherlands came to Chennai in 1993 for the Indian National Conference and spoke on cleft deformities. So what became interesting, we started getting involved in cleft and craniofacial work. Professor Schilly from Germany, Professor Rudolf Fries from Austria were among the early international presidents to come for our Indian conferences. And they initiated implantology into MaxSign. Professor Nabil Saman from Hong Kong, Professor Seto from Japan, were big influences in the Indian Association. When Dr. Kishore Nayak from India became the first Indian to head the International Association, it really opened up India to the world. Similarly, when Dr. Kanna from India became the first Indian president of the Asian Association, that really opened up India to Asia. And then we have had several surgeons Mr. Ilan Coven from UK, Professor Robert Ord from USA, Professor Robert Sader from Germany, Professor Gali Gali from USA, and several others who have been very active in the International Association also come for most of our national and Asian meetings. And that has really built up a lot of friendship and comradeship and exchange of ideas and friendship. I think this is where I think the International and Asian Associations have played a very big role in growing our speciality. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Guna, for the, the excellent and the Indian uh, Association and how the Indian Association uh, developed advanced uh, speciality and uh, developed. Okay, thank you. So, Yuehi, uh, how about uh, your uh, country? So, our societies, of Chinese societies, uh, joined the uh, International uh, Association in 1999. And uh, two years later, we uh, joined Asia Associations. And although and the involvement and of the IOMS and AOMS to international 
communications. But our Chinese uh, specialist training in our country is still a government, very powerful in leaders, not like um, Western countries is organized by your associations. This is the big difference from two uh, systems. So in our government leadership and how we are running our uh, system is the, uh, we have the postgraduate medical education communities. This is the government. It's belong to the National Health Commission of our countries. And these committees is responsibility for the formulations of the postgraduate education policy and the guidelines, also including the specialist training. This government leader, the postgraduate educations, the specialist training and the sub-specialist training, and also the construction of a training basis, the teaching training and the quality controls. We have um, 30 more, uh, 30 more provinces. Every province have the postgraduate medical education communities. These communities of the province is responsibility for implementing the task deployment of superior committee and the formulation the corresponding postgraduate education system and management measure based on the local, uh, different local characteristics. So as training based for postgraduate education, the third working system is the medical institutions and the medical colleges. also the universities, like our Shanghai Nice People's Hospital, we belong to stomatology colleges and uh, Shanghai Jiaotong universities. The university and the medical colleges are responsibility for postgraduate education, enrollment, detailed training, assessment, management, and other special work. So this is our three-level management system for Marco country of our medical postgraduate education, also the specialist education training systems. Thank you very much. That's very complex. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit complex, but uh, it's interesting. Thank you very much for the for the uh, the very important information from China. Okay, Tiani, that's your turn. Thank you, thank you again, uh, Prof Takahashi. Um, Singapore is a very small country. I mean, if you look at the globe, it's uh, practically it's positively microscopic. Uh, it has approximately 5.6 million residents and just about approximately 70 specialists in oral maxillofacial surgery. It was not enough to just learn from each other as we're such a small fraternity but we also needed to learn from the wider community in the region and also in the international community. And so it was very important for the, for the Singapore Association of OMS to join the Asian and the international family of oral maxillofacial surgeons to continually update themselves on the latest knowledge, practices, and technology uh, the Asian Association of Oral Maxillofacial Surgeons and the International Association of Oral Maxillofacial Surgeons stage two important biennial conferences which take place at different years. So one year you can have international meeting and the following year the Asian meeting. The level of the meetings, of the scientific meetings are very high and so the delegates always have something useful to bring back to their country. And it's also a great time to meet people at these conferences. Meeting fellow speakers and delegates at these symposiums and meetings are also important as new friendships oh, okay. are being made while all ties are maintained. Collaboration between members are always easier when you have met the person before 
And um, although we cannot meet now in person, our friendship has endured over the last two years. Um, and hopefully we can meet again after this thing blows over. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, speaking of the Japanese Association, I'm just talking about from uh, the Jap Japan side that uh, initially the Japanese Association, the uh, learned a lot from the US and uh, Europe. So as in the Japanese doctors go to the United States or the, uh, uh, the Europe, especially the Germany and the Switzerland, uh, we learned a lot about the, the, the surgical skills and then the surgical management. Then uh, we have uh, developed, and then I think it's, uh, uh, as a association, the Japanese association is a little to be uh, old. So classically, as many uh, doctors from the developing country like, uh, well, Indonesia or the Myanmar or the other countries come to Japan and then they advance the, uh, the, their specialist and then they go back to the country. But nowadays, I think it's uh, Asia is uh, it's, uh, drastically changed. And the India and uh, China has uh, advanced very rapidly. So as uh, as uh, I'm just talking from now on the Asian Association, our Asian Association started the scholarship. Uh, the five countries features advanced in our maxillofacial surgery training that include the Japan, the China, South Korea, and Taiwan in, in India, uh, the host country of the scholarship. And five fellows from the developing countries in Asia that selected by the by committee. Uh, actually, Guna is a, is a chairperson, uh, the committee person. And then uh, we selected five. And then each fellow get the 5,000 US uh, dollars for the their stay for the host country at least three months. Uh, unfortunately, right now, you know, the, because of the COVID-19, uh, I just postponed. But uh, anyway, I think this is a very, very uh, good for the for the developing country for the training and the speciality to advance the speciality. And also, uh, as just uh, Gunnar mentioned about the training conference, and then Tiani mentioned about the biennial scientific meeting. Nowadays, Asian uh, as a, uh, Asian uh, conference, its uh, level of the scientific level is very high, and many many good invited speakers uh, uh, get the beautiful speech uh, lectures. So I think uh, we uh, from the ACOMs and ICOMs we learn we you know young doctors uh, you know learn a lot about the you know the the new techniques and uh, uh, the uh, surgical skills. Also, the speaking, the, the training conference, uh, we used to have the biannual uh, training conference at the Asian Association, but because of the COVID-19, we uh, last year we had the training conference by the web, and that was very, very successful uh, in the help, with the help of the Indian Association. Thank you very much, Guna. And uh, I think from now on, it's it's a time for us to think about the more and more use the web training. I think it's uh, it's uh, it's a very very good for the young surgeons, especially we can uh, we can devoid devoid uh, a lot of money uh, because not going to the country. But nonetheless, of course, at the face to face, you know, the meeting is very important as well. So. Uh, and then uh, recently we have the IOMS Asian AOMS Next Gen Online Conference. That is another possibility, and we uh, learned a lot. Uh, and then uh, the global uh, globalization and then the web uh, training is, I think, it's a, another very important issue. Okay, so any other comments from the the speakers? You are here. I just want everybody to understand uh, our government control system and uh, have different levels, three levels in from our government to province and the college and the university to control uh, so huge um, 
specialist training and uh, uh, postgraduate training system. Mm -hmm. So, and as it tells you how uh, visit our uh, hospitals. Yes. And uh, Tianyi is uh, uh, is a local. It's know our local uh, cultures, and uh, so maybe next time. And after virus, I will invite and the Asia Associations committed to to visit China again. Well, yes, I'm looking forward to. Okay, Tiani, any comments or the, any special other remarks? Yeah, thank you, uh, Professor Yuehe, for the very kind uh, advance invitation. I think we love to uh, be in China. I think. Um, hybrid and webinars are fantastic. I think they are they are a great solution in in the COVID pandemic world. But I think nothing beats face to face conferences. I think there's a certain beauty in having to uh, meet physically. Um, and you know, I'm really looking forward to uh, you know the next ACOMS and the next ICOMS. The next ACOMS is in Seoul, so hopefully we can go there and you know, participate in, in Seoul for the ACOMS and, and then following that in India. And also for ICOMS, uh, the next one I think is in Canada. So hopefully we can go there uh, and meet our friends again. Okay, yes, I really want to, yes. Okay, uh, let's move on to the last question. Uh, we have touched upon the history of the development of the OMS specialty in the region. What contemporary issues that the specialty face? Where do you see it evolving into the future? So, uh, Guna? I think uh, the exciting things about the future, uh, what, what we feel is going to be the, definitely the newer opportunities, like many people alluded to about head and neck oncology research, data network, data collection and analysis, and use of artificial intelligence, especially in this data analysis and oncology. And I think this will definitely lead to better quality of treatment and better access to healthcare, especially in India, which is still about 80% what we call as a rural population. You know, the access to healthcare, access to maxofacial care is very limited. So we see them very late with oncology presentations, which makes treatment so much more difficult. The government to private service is almost 50-50 in India for maxillofacial surgery. I know in a lot of other Asian countries, especially the Southern, like Sri Lanka and other places, is predominantly government. Whereas in India, it is almost 50-50 government versus private. The second thing we are seeing is a penetration of insurance companies into healthcare and maxillofacial trauma oncology. Now, I am, for one, not very sure if it's a good or a bad thing for the country, because we have seen insurance work very well in certain countries and insurance work not so very well for the poorer section of the population. So this is, insurance is becoming a big uh, opportunity but it's also becoming a big challenge. So we have to see where we go. We are at crossroads for the penetration of insurance. Technology, let me come to one simple example. We signed up recently with a company called DiagnoCat in the USA to do an analysis of our CBCT. This, the program gave me 30 pages of analysis in 15 minutes. My radiologist would have taken at least a couple of hours and still would not have been as complete. So the technology is coming in a huge way in radiology, maxillofacial diagnostics. What are the challenges? Are there challenges? I feel there are challenges in a couple of things. One is communication. I remember somebody saying, I can use one credit card and go to any part of the world and use it. The, the banks talk among themselves. The companies talk among themselves. But there is not a single hospital information system or a medical information system that we can use across the country, across the region, across the world. Although we are in the era of huge communication opportunity, there is still plenty of suspicion and misgiving that we do not have one health platform across the country or across the 
Asia, across the world. So I think that is going to be a big challenge to be able to communicate seamlessly as far as the medical history is concerned. The second problem I see, especially in India and our region, is the disparity among different standards from different universities. See, for example, in the USA, you have a national board, which means they are board certified, they are of a uniform standard. In England, you have four royal colleges. Okay, if they are certified, there's a uniform standard. In India, we have more than 100 universities, and each one has a different standard. It's such a big difference. So we have now introduced a board for oral and maxillofacial surgery in India through the association. And this is where I think the national board and the Asian board or the international board certification will be a very big step to say, if you're standardized training and it is an exit exam, a standard exit exam, which ensures a standard that we all understand. The only catch here is this has to be accepted by the governments. Only if it gets accepted by the government will it relate to better opportunities for the surgeons, insurance acceptance, etc. So these, I feel, are the future challenges for us to get a uniform standardization of acceptance of a standard of education and training. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you depict the very, very important issues. Thank you. Okay, Yuhi, it's your turn. We still have our uh, specialist training uh, program in China uh, because our uh, um, develop uh, speed is very fast, but it's still not stable. I think uh, our program have some mixed, uh, confused, a little bit confused system. One is the postgraduate education system is uh, controlled by our government. Another is our government is very, very, um, uh, they think it's very important thing is to normalize the, uh, the training for the residence training system. The, you know, the residence training system. And this system is the beginning from nearly 10 years ago, the residence training system. So the third uh, system is specialist training system. This is to, uh, for the why, for the reason to international uh, with the West countries, but this system is only beginning five years ago. So we, now we are now developing and still our oral maxillofacial surgery is very developed, but our education system, uh, especially in specialist training is in the developing. So I hope uh, in the future five years, uh, we will be stable in our specialist training. Uh, because in our the first term, first round of the specialist training, our government examination will be this year. Will be this year's. It's all it's one year postponed because of the virus. Because of the virus, and uh, so uh, you know, for example, for me, I use a five years education in university and I get my bachelor degrees. And after that, I get three years for the master's degrees and another three years for the MD and the PhD degrees. So when I was 33 years old, I'm already uh, assistant professor. So I go to uh, Germany in Frankfurt University, George University, where I'm 33 years old. So I, it's already assistant professors, and I can do a lot of uh, oncological surgery and the flap raising. So the colleagues in Germany is very uh, astonished. Ah, oh, Dr. Yu, uh, you're so young, um, but you practice too, too more. And I told them, these are situations of our China. But now it's uh, nearly 15 years ago, but now the situation is already changed. So now uh, I think the Chinese, uh, the China system is more familiar with the Western country like Japan and like and Germany, Europe and uh, uh, American. But I don't know if this is uh, right or not, right or wrong. 
right or wrong. For my experience, uh, 40 years ago in Germany, this is my uh, personal and um, personal thinkings. Thank you very much for the uh, the information. Okay, Tiani, your turn. Uh, yes. So, um, what contemporary issues does the specialty face? Um, in Singapore, and probably the same for many countries, our work in the oral maxillofacial region overlaps with the spheres of other disciplines. So these disciplines include plastic and reconstructive surgeons, the ENT surgeons, the general surgeons specializing in hair and neck surgery, and among our own dental colleagues, our, dental, our general dent dentists and periodontists. So to stay abreast of this tightly contested area, we need to continually improve our knowledge and expand our repertoire of skills. This will keep us at the forefront of our field. It is precisely because it is a tightly contested field that it is inevitable that oral maxillofacial surgeons will encounter some politics. Some competition is not entirely bad as it forces us to upgrade and improve our treatment and our treatment outcomes. At the same time, in some situations, it can be quite restrictive. And hence, I think it is paramount that as our maxillofacial surgeons, we stay united. Personally, I see great, great unity and strength in both the international and the Asian associations. And so I think that bodes well for our members. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. That, that is another very important issue. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of the Japan and Korea, um, yes, uh, just uh, as uh, Tiani mentioned, uh, we, we see conflict between the ENT and plastic. And the Korea, they say that the OMS members devote themselves against the dispute from the relative medical specialties as plastic and uh, dermatology because, you know, the, the practice scope, including general facial plastic surgery in Korea. So they uh, dispute with the plastic surgeons and dermatology, they say. And uh, another issue in Japan is, uh, you know, we have so many centers, so many, you know, institutes. So that means uh, we, you know, the, we don't have much patient at each, uh, you know, the institute compared to the India or the, compared to the, uh, the China. And we are not the centralized. So speaking of the correct patients, you uh, only, you know, the two or three or four centers, but, uh, you know, the correct patients scattered. So that is another yeah, the confronting issue in Japan. So nowadays, we Japanese association uh, allow us to go to the some center for the young surgeon. We encourage uh, the young surgeon to go to the some training centers exchange that is called the exchange program. I think it's it uh, it helps uh, to to compensate uh, the, the 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 some shortage of the specialized. Uh, uh, you know, the skills in developing. Yes, that is uh, another issue. Okay, uh, and also just, uh, you know, the Guna just mentioned about the uh, standardization. I think another important issue because I just mentioned that the, uh, I, I, I first mentioned that the just IBCOMFS, it's a very long, long name, so I can't remember, but anyway, that is the uh, international board. Uh, right now, not so uh, popular, even uh, Europe and the United States. And Japan, we have 80. Uh, and then India, I think it's 20 or 30. And then Korea, some uh, some 20 or something. But I think uh, it's, uh, I think it's uh, the good to share the, what is the, the, the global standard? What, what do you think? I would like to ask each of you, how about the IBCS OMS? Uh, the, the, what do you think? Uh, Guna, what do you think? 
I think uh, we definitely have to go that way, no doubt about it. That is the future. And align, try to align the national boards along with that. See, for example, in India, one big challenge is uh, compared to, say, for Europe, they have all duly qualified, medically and dentally. In Asia, a lot of us are singly qualified. And then we have the medical as a supplement. You know, just we just add it on as a six months or one year posting or training. So the International Association, if they have to make uh, the international board relevant to Asia or India, it has to be fitted to this training pathway. So if you align, because otherwise it will lose uh, relevance. The Indian, I mean, the, those youngsters will find it very difficult to pass that uh, test. So if they take into consideration that our training pathways are different, but ultimately we have, uh, we have the ultimate uh, delivery of care as a standard of care, that alignment, if it happens, it will become very popular. For example, the Indian board has become very popular now for youngsters. We can set up an Asian board and then see how it aligns with the international board. I, but I can, I mean, you can tell me better because I know international board has a lot of takers in Japan. So if that is working very well, because Japan is also largely singly qualified path of training. So if it's working well there, I think it should work in other parts of Asia also. Uh, the final uh, the standardization is, I think, next issue, and we uh, we can discuss it later. So we have to close. Uh, we have to uh, wrap up. I cannot uh, summarize because uh, you know Asia is so diverse at, at the beginning, and then uh, situation is that uh, you know different country to country. And also, we have a lot of different uh, systems, a lot of different uh, styles. But I think it's you no know, the very important thing is uh, information sharing. I guess you know that we need the information and uh, to know each other. That's why I IOMS and the NICOMS, and that we, uh, the IOMS and the Asian Association is uh, hub. So I think from now on our uh, we can, uh, you know, utilize these, uh, you know, association for the hub and then uh, global forum for the education. Okay, everybody, thank you very much today. And then I would like to, you know, discuss all day long, one more day, but uh, after I have to finish. Thank you very much all, and then see you soon face to face. Bye bye. Thank you again for joining us today. Visit us online at www.iaoms.org to become a member of our vibrant global community and to access a variety of education and timely resources. Stay up to date by following IOMS on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast while you're here so you're the first to know when new episodes are released. Until next time.